Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host, and I am thrilled to be back with you again today. Today, we are giving you a quote from Deepak Chopra, and it's about the law of giving. It's very simple. If you want joy, give joy. If love is what you seek, offer love. If you crave material affluence, help others become prosperous. So we will be talking a bit about giving today, and we have a fantastic guest for you. So let me share a little bit about E.A. Solkovitz. Now, he was born back in 1956 in Chicago. His humble beginnings were that of a son of a milkman. At age 16, he started his business career at a commission sales job. And at the age of 19, EA met Sam Robbins, a millionaire businessman from Detroit, who took EA under his wing and began to mentor him. EA began working for Sam at the House of Holland Jewelers in the diamond business. And in 1980, Sam established a private grant meant to be a part of Sam's legacy due to his lifelong fight with diabetes. And due to this grant, Sam and EA began to formulate heart healthy and wellness nutritional foods and drinks. And over the next 45 years, E.A. Solkovitz was blessed with many, many amazing business and personal achievements. Now, I could spend quite a bit of time on all of these. So I'm just going to pick out a couple to share with you before we bring them on. Uh, he was a millionaire at the age of 23. He owned and established a 1,000-acre wildlife sanctuary. He's a commercial pilot, second-degree black belt, uh, founder and patriarch of the Givers University to teach others worldwide about givers and takers. There's so much more he's done, but I'd rather him share that with you. So let's bring him on now. EA, how are you today? Absolutely great, Heather. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And for your listeners, I want them to know because, you know, we're doing an audio podcast. Heather's just the way she is in real life as she is on the podcast. She has a great personality and so easy. And one of those people that, you know, is very approachable and always there. So uh, I really look forward to being able to share with your listeners. And Heather, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I can't wait for you to share some of this great stuff with all of our people out here. So where, where do we begin? How about, can you give us a little bit more background on, you know, how you got started and how you met your mentor? For sure. Uh, the actually, you know, at the, I, I, like you had mentioned, uh, my father was a milkman. And, uh, you know, when I was five years old, back then, milk actually came in something called glass containers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my father was a milkman, you know, and he put delivered milk to all these houses. And, you know, and, and at five years old, I would help him and he had his own route uh, for Twin Oaks Dairy uh, in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And so very, you know, average, humble kind of upbringing, you know, kind of thing. And um, then at 16, I became a janitor and also began selling janitorial service for the same company. And that was, I had an amazing experience. I, uh, because I was able to be bonded every Wednesday at bonded, which means insured, I was able to clean a home and I was in her house every single Wednesday, cleaning her home. And the name won't mean anything to your listeners until I mentioned the movie. 
there was a movie out a couple of years ago called The Founder. Uh, it's about the McDonald's story, if you will, and, and Ray Kroc, you know, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. Um, and actually, it's, it's, it's a pretty good view, but I will say this because I lived the whole experience. There's a lot of Hollywood spin when it says mm -hmm. in the beginning, based on a true story, it, you know, it's not the true story. It's based right. on a true story, right? So a lot of Hollywood spin, but nonetheless, the lady in the movie that Ray Kroc, Michael Keaton is talking to outside his office all the time. That's June Martino, the lady whose house I cleaned every Wednesday. Cool. And uh, and and she actually was an amazing woman, uh, very wealthy when I met her because uh, McDonald's had already been around when I was in my teens when I met her. And uh, she was actually, interestingly enough, the first woman to ever trade on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, and uh, Ray Kroc was her mentor. And she had one day where she told me the whole McDonald's story and just extraordinary experience, you know, and and I thought, man, if I could just find a Ray Kroc. And then it wasn't a couple months later, I met my business mentor. Uh, his name was Sam Robbins. And, uh, uh, you know, with the carpet janitorial service I was with, he called, needed an estimate, some carpeting. And anyway, one thing led to another. And he offered me a job in the diamond business working for him. And he was an amazing gentleman. I, I have to say, I was so blessed. And I'm such an advocate for mentors. And, and for your listeners who don't have a mentor, get one. Your life, you're making your own life so much more difficult than it could be, especially if you have a, a mentor who's already done it, who's already successful, who's non-judgmental, lets you make the mistakes you need to, but also can be that guiding hand. You can compress so many mistakes in time period. So I met this amazing man just to show you how amazing he was. His name was Sam Robbins. Um, he told me after we had known each other a little bit about growing up in the depression. And uh, he literally was a welfare family. Uh, no kidding, told me that he actually on certain days ate cardboard. Oh my goodness. There was no food. Uh, and he said, during this time, people were jumping off of buildings because they lost their fortunes and, mm -hmm. and there's multi mile long soup lines. And every day he went by, and he was in his late teens, he went by the store. And of course, all the stores were empty. No one had any money to buy anything, right? And this store in particular was a sewing machine store. And, and he would see sort of as he walked by every day, the owner in the sewing machine store in the back. And so he'd go by and one day he just had a, this light bulb went off in his head and he walked inside the store. And obviously no one was in there, but the owner, he couldn't even afford to have employees, right? And all the sewing machines are sitting on the floor collecting dust. So Sam said to him, uh, you know, I noticed you, you're not selling out of sewing machine. He goes, you kidding me? He says, no one's got any money for anything. He said, they're just, you know, taking up space here. And uh, he says, I just hope to make it through. And Sam said, well, would you mind if I maybe helped you sell some of these? And the owner like had this big smile on his face. He said, Man, you better believe it. If you could sell one of them, it would be a gift. He said, well, this is what I'd like to propose. He said, I would like to sell these, but I'd like to sell them on payments. And he said, and we'll split the payments and I'll guarantee if they don't make the payments, I'll guarantee the sewing machine cost. And the owner says, man, go for it, man, whatever, you know, cause they're just collecting dust in the store. So Sam recognized that at this time during the depression, no one had any money. So he put an ad and he started and he actually it wasn't an ad. He printed out flyers mm -hmm. with a hand mimeograph machine, right? Mm -hmm. He uh, printed off flyers for women to work from home and earn money and he would train them. He said he got so many, he got so many people responding, he couldn't even keep up with it all, you know, because everyone needed money. So what he did was he sold the sewing machine on payments to a woman to work from home. 
set her up in her own little sewing machine business, if you will, manufacturing clothes. He gave them the patterns and the material. And then he guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them. And then he turned around and sold the clothing as handmade, best made, discounted handmade clothing to stores who then turned around and sold it to people. Oh my goodness. And this, and, and the amazing thing about this story, Heather, is that here's a man when people are jumping off of buildings yeah. in multi-mile soup lines, earned $1 million in one year. Wow. And you know, that that's easily more than 10 million today. Right. Easily. Yeah. Right. And all, and what was amazing about it, it never took any of his own money. It never took any, uh, no, he didn't have to need outside in particular talent or anything. All he did was through his creativity, put the, together basically this system and this little community of people working together, if you will. And the thing just went crazy. So I can share with your listeners. If you think the economy is bad and you have rough, have it rough now, try eating cardboard for a few days. Right. And, you know, so, I mean, here, so this, to let you know what kind of person this man was, and I was so blessed to meet him and he took me under his wing and he became my mentor and what, what an amazing man. And with the story I share with you on the, I call it the Sam sewing machine story. What's amazing about that is there's two very important lessons that are built in that story. The first one is that story has the four ways to build a business. And by the way, when I did trainings in the past for presidents of companies who paid $5,000 each for a weekend with me, and there was 50 new ones every single month. And I did that for two years when I was I had my radio show. And these are all millionaires. And I taught them 410 ways to build their business. But during those 410, all of them fit in the four ways that are in the Sam sewing machine story. Mm -hmm. Separate from that, also, the second part that's in that sewing machine story is the importance of building the right kind of community around you of people working together. Mm -hmm. In this instance, it was women to work from home. And he had a huge, huge number of people who just, you know, he recognized there was a need. And rather than thinking about all the stuff he wanted, he just thought, well, how could I solve this problem for? Yes. The sewing machine owner. How could I solve this problem for the women that, you know, families that need money any way they can get it? And how could I provide a great product for people at a discounted price when they don't have money? So he, he literally saw through all the problems and solved each one of them. So we're, we're here to talk about communities. And that's one of the two things in the, the Sam sewing machine story, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I want to share with you that there are many great communities today. You know, there, there's communities, uh, people that love dogs, there's people helping children. There's, you know, there's all kinds of great communities doing great works. And the word community today, Heather, has, well, it's gone, in my opinion, it's gone through a change of definition. Mm -hmm. um, I would use the example of the word diet. You know, the word spelled D-I-E-T. Many years ago, it actually meant a meeting. If I went to a diet, I went to a meeting. Oh, and then later yeah. on, that same word spelled the same way, meant a stipend or an allowance. I could get on a weekly basis, a diet, which was like a stipend. And then later on that same word, when I was growing up, it meant your eating habits. Your diet was the way you ate. And now today that same word spelled the same way means weight loss. <laughs> so here we have one word 
-hmm. spelled the same way that's gone through all of these iterations, you know, through decades to what we have today. And when you say diet, everyone immediately thinks weight loss. They don't think I'm going to go to a meeting, but it's the same word, right? So in my opinion, Heather, the word community today has gone through the same kind of change. There are many what I call so-called communities today. And I emphasize and put quotes on so-called because they call themselves communities, but I would have to call them taker communities. And here's why. For your listeners, see if this sounds familiar. Have you ever had someone invite you to join a community and shortly after joining it, like within hours or certainly a couple of days, they're already pelting you with solicitations mm-hmm. to buy something. Oh, yeah. I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've gotten there and I go, oh, man. You know, and it's just like you like when you do a download and all of a sudden they're emailing you eight times a day, you know, you unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Because mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. they're just pelting all day. So, so in my opinion, these taker communities where they call themselves communities, which is like a, to me, a bait and switch, where they lure you in, we're all going to work together. But actually the whole intention is to sell you something, right? Mm -hmm. So I say, why not call it what it is? It's a customer list. Join my customer list. Say that, that no, no problem that I get the choice, but don't bait and switch me. I call taker communities, Heather. It's sort of like, you know, in the olden old West covered wagon days, they had to cover wagons and they would get in a circle, but a taker community shoots inward. <laughs> they, they, shoot, they shoot in the wrong direction. Right. So, so, and, and because it's real simple, the taker communities today are there to make money off of you. Mm-hmm. There's the finite distinction. Now, my mentor taught me something about this amazing, he calls it the giver scale of life. And the giver scale of life, and he taught me early on this, he said, picture in your mind this scale. It's got two sides. And he says, the scale strives for balance. In fact, it ultimately always in balance. It's never out of balance. If it is, it's just for a very short time, but it balances itself out. And he said, on one side, if that would be my right side, on the right side is all the things you're going to receive in life all the things you're going to get from all the sources and all the people, no matter what it is. And he said, on the left side is the side where you give and heap everything on. Mm -hmm. He said, let me tell you how it works. Now, this is a man who was a multimillionaire many times over already. A man earned a million dollars during the depression. I mean, you know, we're talking real genuine wealth and success here. Uh, And he said, here's the way this works for you in life. Forget about the receiving side. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. He said, in the beginning, it's going to be hard, but ultimately forget about it and do your best to heave so much on the side you're giving. Do your best to get that scale out of balance and keep it out of balance as long as you can, because you've heaved so much on that side. And he said, you'll never be able to spend the money you learn on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that scale worked in 1989. I was 33 years old. That was the first year I earned a million dollars in salary personal salary, not business money, personal salary. After I paid my taxes, I had a million dollars in my pocket from one year in salary income. So I, it I can share with you. It works. It 100% works. It's, you know, and I love that you are demonstrating through story how it works. You know, in the creativity, there's so much opportunity right now. And the shift of focus 
from people thinking, oh, you know, there, there, there happens to also be loss and, and a lot of issues in the world, right? But when you stay focused there, instead of shifting your focus to the possibilities and options and solutions for other people, how can you give and solve the problems? The people that are doing that are doing very, very well right now, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and they will continue to do best in the future. Yes. And this brings me to the next thing that my mentor taught me was, and I refer to it as the giver's contest intention because of my business mentors crafting this. Uh, his health had, you know, because he literally had malnutrition as a child, you know, eating cardboard, literally. Um, and he had diabetes and through his life, it began to take his toll and actually took his life early. Um, and, but when we were partners together and we both owned businesses together, he knew that physically I, he was not going to be able to keep up with me because I'm a young kid, you know, and I'm in my late twenties mm -hmm. and then my thirties and, and, and physically he was just not going to be able to, because his health was deteriorating due to his extreme case of diabetes. So he came to me one day, think about the genius of this, Heather. It's so extraordinary. And, and so much, I even call it a, a, an intention on its own. He came to me one day and he said, uh, he said, EA, I'd, uh, I'd like to have us compete. And I said, uh, what? He said, I'd like to have us compete. And I said, okay. And he had this big smile on his face and his eyes were, when he had that big smile, his eyes would like literally sparkle. Like, I don't know if you saw the old monkeys on TV, you know, when yeah, they, yeah, and, yeah. and how Davy Jones, whenever he's in love, his yes. eyes would sparkle. Okay. That's how Sam's eyes looked in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but so they had this big smile. Like, oh boy, this is going to be really interesting. He wants us to compete. What has he got in mind? So I said, this is what I propose. He said, we compete to see who can make the other one more money and oh, whoever loses, you have to buy the other person anything they want. <laughs> That's a and great I said, wait competition. A I said, wait a minute. I said, okay. I want to make sure I understand this now. Okay. You and I are going to compete. So we're going to compete. I'm going to work my hardest to see if I can make you more money, Sam, than you make me. And you're going to compete to see if you can make me more money. I make you and whoever loses has to buy the winner anything they want, no matter what it is. He goes, that's it. And I sat back for a second. I said, well, I know he, there's more to this than I probably even understand at this point. Cause I'd gotten to trust him at that much, you know, mm -hmm. in, in my life. And I said, okay, Sam, we're on. Well, the first year, Heather, he beat me so bad. It wasn't even <laughs> funny, but the fun. And, and I, I literally paid cash for him for a house in Florida. Oh. <laughs> Th that was his, that because I lost. Now, and here's the interesting part. I couldn't be upset. I couldn't be concerned because I made more, he made me more money than I made him. Right. So I had the money, you know, that was what was so dynamic about this whole oh, thing he put together. Fabulous. I love this. And then, and then the next year, of course, I started to catch on. And of course his health was in my favor, unfortunately not in his God bless him. And, uh, so the next year I won and then he bought me a plane. He bought me an airplane. That's when I became a commercial pilot. Then the next year he bought me a limo and the next year he bought me a second plane. So, you know, and, and then, and, and the, by the way, by in the fifth year, we actually just started carrying it forward. I said, what do you want? And, there, and he'd say to me, what do you want? And I said, Sam, I don't know. Let's just carry it forward. We already had all the toys that, you know, what, what else is there at that point? Right. So, but I call this the thing, the beautiful part about that. I refer to it, Heather, as, the giver's contest intention. It's the heart intention mm. of what the puritanical giver community should be. Yes. Yes. All right. So, 
So, they, so I, I refer to that as again the giver's contest intention because it's it's so important. That's powerful of what I'm going to come to. And, and, and once you, and see, the key is you have to have the right people around you. Mm-hmm. You have to have people who are doing the same, right? So we, we realize that this is a challenge today. You know, I'm familiar with Think and Grow Rich. I'm sure you are too, and mm-hmm. many of your listeners. And so many people said, you know, I want to form a mastermind. And they start disassembling right away. And they don't know why, you know, why, why they, they, they have, they want to get together with other people, but the thing just starts disassembling. And we thought, okay, we need to help people do this. We need to help people. We need to solve that problem like Sam did way back when and teach people how to build their own giver's community or as we call them, a giver's junto. So you say, what in the world is a giver's junto? Well, uh, a little background on the word. The word actually is a Spanish word from the 1600s. And it wasn't used much until the 1700s when Ben Franklin picked it up. And in 1727, Ben Franklin formed a group of 12 friends and he called it initially the Mutual Improvement Club. Mm-hmm. Later on, he called it the Junto. And then also he called it the Leather Apron Club. They met on Fridays. Uh, and what's interesting about this group of 12 people, because of the su- subject matter that they covered, it can arguably said that our very declaration of independence can be traced back to these conversations. Wow. So you can't tell me a Junto does not have impact. Oh, totally. Right when you get the right 12 people together. So at Givers University, we help people either form or participate in three different kinds of Juntos. The first kind we call the Givers Greater Junto. This can be a Junto of any size of numbers of people worldwide, any uh, n- number of members. A good example I would use of like the Givers Junto would be maybe be like the Salvation Army would be, mm-hmm. you know, with chapters around the world, right? Uh, maybe the Lions Club as an example. Um, the second kind of Junto is called the Givers Insider Junto. This is a Junto of two to 12 members that are much more closely knit, uh, much more akin to Ben Franklin's Leather Apron Club, if you will. Mm-hmm. Third kind of Junto is the Givers Millionaire Junto. And this is a Junto of two to 12 vetted millionaire members, very close knit. A good example of this would be Henry Ford had a Junto. Uh, In 1950, Henry Ford formed a group of him, Thomas Edison, Harvey Firestone, and John Burroughs. You know, Edison, we know who he is, Firestone, Firestone Tires. John Burroughs was actually a prolific uh, writer and naturalist, and uh, he wrote poems. And interestingly enough, which was sort of a sidestep, he was a federal bank examiner. So I I can only guess he must have been the money guy. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, a federal bank examiner, you know, and being a naturalist. Anyway, so so that was... Henry Ford's Millionaire Junto. And he, they actually named the group the Four Vagabonds. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and they traveled together. And actually what happened is the word sort of got out what was happening with them. And you know, people started trying to join and travel in with them. And they had to do it much more in secret. So those are the three different kinds of Juntos that we help people either form their own mm-hmm. or they can become a member of one that's already pre-existing and we'll just connect them in. Uh, I'm going to hit in the interest of time here because I'm watching our clock. Uh, mm-hmm. There's seven steps to forming a Junto. And I'm just going to sort of rapid fire these for your listeners. Um, they can certainly learn more about it. Um, and uh, But it actually spells out the word discern. D-I-S-C-E-R-N. Those are the seven steps, each letter identifying a step of how you build your own giver's Junto. Hmm. So D is for decide. 
You got to decide who's going to be a part of it. Who do you decide on up front? And we show people and teach people exactly how to go through the selection process. Mm -hmm. I is for invite. You invite 12 people. How do you invite them? S is for seed. You begin to seed and explain the three pillars of a Junto. Uh, our three pillars that we have are number one, our credo, which is give to be great, that you can be great by giving. Number two, our pledge to help every Givers Junto member lead a life of predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. And our labor of love is astonishing. It's the common purpose of all of us getting together over time. And our labor of love is to literally put an end to hunger mm. one zip code at a time. And we have an actual methodology on how to do that, that we will be kicking off in a huge launch the uh, next fall, fall of 2022. That sounds uh, exciting. And, all, and all the Juntos will be a part of it. I mean, it's, it's gonna mm -hmm. be an extraordinary, literally zip code at a time. So the, the, the background, the, the intention of all of this, yeah is the ability to pre-qualify the right people so that they have the giver's contest intention yes. when they come into the group. Wait, wait, I need you to go back and finish the, the seven discern. Ah, okay, thank you. Uh, C, S is for seed. Mm -hmm. uh, C is for convene, convene mm -hmm. on a regular time, decide when that is. E is establish. You, you need to establish a name for your group, establish a name for your gentor, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just like the four uh, Junto, just like the four vagabonds, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and then our rotate who the chair is each week. We actually mm -hmm. provide an agenda of questions for them to ask to help them keep structure into the meeting. Uh, and we, we provide that each week. And then the last is numbers. Begin to form other Juntos worldwide and become mm -hmm. a part of other ones. Someone could be a insider Junto with one group and a part of a millionaire Junto with another one. So we teach people to do this and we have a weekly uh, clip that's two minutes long. Mm -hmm. That's on our, our YouTube channel. And every single week we're taking them through the steps from the very beginning through this whole DI, through the word discern, going through the whole letter mm -hmm. and how they select what they do in a two minute clip. Every single week is a new one, walking them all the way through. This is how you do it. This is how you form a group of people who have a fiduciary responsibility for every member to put the other member's interest in front of their own. Oh my gosh. I love this. Now I'm certain that there are listeners right now that are leaning forward saying, this sounds so cool. How do I find out more about it? So can you let them know how they can reach you or where to, you know, the YouTube channel or anything like that? Sure enough. The YouTube channel is Givers University. Just put in Givers University as one word, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll see a, a, a playlist on there, a public playlist that says uh, how to form your own Junto community. And just start watching a one to two minute clips. Learn, right? Yeah. Uh, then the uh, they can go to our website, giversuniversity.com. Uh, go to the, it's called, my, my son taught me, it's called the hamburger. The three lines over oh, yes. and off the right. <laughs> yeah. My son says, he said, dad, that's called a hamburger. I said, oh, I didn't know. Sorry. I, I said, so you can have sideways hamburgers too? And he said, yes. You can. <laughs> I said, okay. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> so go to the hamburger and click on that. And you'll see a uh, um, a tab that says Giver Junto. Mm. Go to that tab. You can fill in information if you want to form your own community. Uh, just you, you fill in a couple of lines there and it goes right to us and we'll get back to you and help you uh, be a chapter founder if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to, if you don't want to form a chapter and you want to connect with another one, fill out another one, you make that selection that that's what you want to do and we will help you do it and go step by step. Also, 
uh, sign up for our newsletter. We have a great weekly newsletter. We don't pelt emails. It comes out once a week. And every single week is, we call it the giver's toolbox, a new relationship tool that people can add to their relationship toolbox that's going to help them in their life. So oh it's gosh. so much, so great to just be able to, I'm excited about being shared this with people. And yeah, I, I love I pray this. you can hear my voice because it's just, we know that this is going to impact people in huge ways. Huge, yeah. When you get people from the beginning, say, this is the intention we all have. Mm-hmm. If you don't want it, no problem. Let's part way friends. We want a group that all are going to do the same thing. What if you have 11 people around you that all have your interests in front of theirs and you're doing the same with them? So what could you do? incredibly powerful. What, what it could change in the world for you, for everybody. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so EA, this is amazing. I love this concept. I'm definitely checking all of these resources out and we'll make sure to put these links to them into the show notes so that everyone can, can access it easily. Awesome. Um, what, how would you want to leave people? Is there an action, a, a, a thing that you want to inspire them to do or a shift in how they think? The three things that my mentor taught me to say, and he, he, got, he gave me a challenge decades and decades ago, and I began to say it every day. And it helped through the ebbs and tides of life, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I recommend that your listeners learn these three things, replay this podcast and write these three things down and say them every day because they will help you in ways you don't even think about at that moment. But don't miss a day when you don't say it multiple times. And these are the three things. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Hmm. I love that. That's going on your graphic. (laughs) (laughs) EA, you're amazing. You know, I, I, there, there are moments that I'm just like, ah, I wish this was a much longer show because I feel like I could ask you a million more questions. Um, but I so appreciate the time that you have spent with us. Listeners, if you are inspired by this as well, share the show. Check out giversuniversity.com, the resources that EA has shared with you here. And let's create the movement. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for having me on your show.